Yes, now this is really an intriguing story. Let's say uh, you've just taken a photo on your phone, maybe of a particularly nice dinner you've just cooked. You probably won't go back and look at it, but you won't delete it either. You're happy for it to just sit there and you think, oh, well, it's not taking up any physical space. Well, that's not entirely right because the photo and all the other files on our digital devices, they do need to be stored in data form somewhere. And if they're in the cloud, they're probably in a data centre. These physical embodiments of the internet are usually vast, highly secured warehouses with row upon row of servers, all using lots of energy and water to run and emitting lots of heat. And because we're all constantly producing data and because these centres are complex and expensive to build, there's a mismatch between our current level of output and the capacity of these centres to keep up. Dr. Marina Otero is a world-renowned architect. She currently lives, currently works as a visiting professor at Columbia University in New York. Last year, she won the 2022 Wheelwright Prize from Harvard, which awards her a fellowship, a fellowship to pursue research into new architectural ideas for storing data. She's in Australia doing research. Hello there, Marina. Hello, how are you? It's, I have to say it seems a surprising search uh, choice for an architect to want to study and design <laughs> <laughs> what are basically big, bland warehouses often located out in the industrial zones of cities. Why does it interest you? Well, of course, there is not the most exciting building, apparently, but they are uh, fundamental infrastructures, as you said, for our lives. And uh, they have not been rethought in terms of their architecture, and more importantly, in their relation to the environment. So to me, I'm looking at the object itself, how it hosts the servers, but also how to uh, relate to the environment and communities around these facilities and make it a better uh, connection between the two. Because right now, these facilities, as you were mentioning, consume a lot of water and energy. They are certainly polluting, and that has certain consequences in their environments. Could you complete the picture for us, please, on what sort of capacity levels data centres are generally at now and how much uh, the demand for data centre storage is likely to increase in the near future? Well, reports such as like of firms like Gardner they point to a zone of potential insufficiency, meaning that we are generating so much data that there will be a moment in the next decade that uh, we won't be able to store it or process it at the current pace of production. And obviously, many people will say, well, we just uh, build new data centers, but that's not at as easy because uh, in many places, for instance, in Singapore or in the Netherlands, in cities like Dublin, they had to uh, implement uh, bans on data centers, uh, moratoriums on the construction of data centers, because they were taking most of the energy of the cities uh, in detriment of nearby residents. So therefore, there, there are some choices to be made in uh, what is our priority and somehow to reconsider also for what reasons we are accumulating so much information. Well, that's another whole question. Can you make these places beautiful? I, I, I doubt it, but, uh, that, that, you know, architects usually do aspire to that. Is that what you... Or is it efficiency that you're really <laughs> after? 
Well, um, for many years in my conversations with data center owners and providers, associations, they sought uh, the role of the architect as that that will design the facade to make it a bit more appealing and in, uh, you know, synchrony with their environments, surrounding uh, neighborhoods. But uh, the focus has shifted and architects are also able to think more systemically and in uh, different scales. So for me, beautiful means ecologically sound mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, following eco-social uh, concerns. So I've been visiting different data centers around the world that, for instance, use the surplus heat from data centers. Uh, you know, the servers are very hot, so they are functioning uh, emitting heat. So they use this heat, for instance, to grow tomatoes in greenhouses nearby or vegetables or to uh, create worms that there are fed to chickens or to uh, dry wood that is used for biomass, uh, trying to create a circular economy around the data centers. There are models of decentralized data centers. So instead of being these huge warehouses, are smaller infrastructures that could be even located in our apartments. So there is a French company that is developing data centers that are almost like small heaters that are able to heat our living rooms uh, while storing data of other companies. So there are many different exciting models being developed out there that point to a possible different future of these infrastructures, perhaps more connected to different programs in the city. So housing and data centers so as forms of production of you know, agriculture and data centers, etc. And that's what uh, somehow excites me. I can imagine. They're very loud too, aren't they? They are very loud, <laughs> yes, indeed, and cold inside, uh, very hot outside. So it's a very particular metabolic uh, infrastructure, yes. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> a bit difficult to have them inside your apartment, I suppose. Um, yeah, that's a great point. Um, I was visiting one data centre in Sydney and they many of their equipment has to be placed in certain heights in the particular level of the data center uh, so it doesn't affect the street life and the nearby residents. So there are many considerations to be made. And as you say, currently, it's very difficult to combine these programs because of questions of heat and pollution, water and energy use. This make it difficult to combine. There were some news a few months ago that it was not possible to build more housing uh, developments in London, in certain center areas of London, because data center in that particular area were taking away all the electricity from the grid. Uh, so you see that there are like challenges there to be you know, discussing and, and finding solutions for. In fact, uh, our text, one of our texts has said it's not storage of photos that's causing the growth of data centres, it's Bitcoin mining and the huge energy demands of generative AI. Have you found that? Yes, I think we as uh, yeah, citizens, we have to be aware, as you were saying, that our photos actually, you know, even we don't use it, consume energy and water. That's important that we think about our own behavior and data literacy, the same as we do with other resources like water. Uh, but it's true that there are certain industries that are producing and consuming a lot of energy and one is artificial intelligence, uh, absolutely. Other is scientific research, like astronomy, 
or like, you know, molecular uh, sciences that are looking into new compounds and obviously defense. Uh, so these are healthcare. These are the ones who generate, manage a lot of information that, you know, makes these places be at capacity. But indeed, in my conversations with data centers, what make them uh, confident about the relevance of their business in the next years is the uh, you know the transformations that artificial intelligence will bring, and the amount of data that will be generated due to those processes. How fascinating! I mean, the end product you're hoping to to come up with uh, at the end of your fellowship, I gather, is an open source manual for global data center architecture design. What conclusions are you drawing? What are the key design ingredients needed to build a basic data centre? And I might add, from what you're saying, how do you speak to the average consumer like you and me? Yeah, I think part of the research, obviously, is important to have this manual. I want it to reach as many people as possible because... Obviously, it's important to visit these locations. That's why the field trip is important to talk with owners, to talk with technicians that work in these data centers and find different systems and the different prototypes they are testing. So this manual will bring, in my opinion, the kind of uh, you know, most exciting um, kind of models that I found all over the world. But in the meantime, I think my role is also to make these questions public and make it easy for you know a general audience to understand the uh, impact of data, uh, because generally we are sold this idea of the cloud as something immaterial that doesn't have material repercussions, and we have to start at understanding the cloud as something much more banal <laughs> that sits you know in these infrastructures that are very important, but are also a site of uh, you know experimentation and redefinition. So my my aim is to have debates or conversations like the the one we are having today. Delete, delete, delete. By the sound of you, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, look, I, I gather you're also interested uh, beyond the data, the centres themselves, into the cables that connect them, because as this is as well uh, as the centres themselves, where the resources that will power them from will come from. So this is a very holistic new area of, uh, well, concern or challenge, isn't it? Yes, definitely. And it was one of the reasons that brought me to Australia um, because of the new uh, projects connected to renewable energies. Uh, So, for instance, I'm interested in where these data centres take the energy from and if they are connected or not to these huge developments in uh, solar farms, wind farms, and other type of energies that, you know, are being now developed in Australia. So part of the field trip I've done is to visit some of these uh, spaces, these infrastructures like fracking fields, um, solar farms, and, uh, you know, observatories that are uh, producing so much information in a scan in the sky, but also alternative models of uh, data sovereignty. So I think it's a quite important topic in Australia, thinking about uh, how to deal with your data. And for instance, I was also interested in learning more about systems in which you know uh, data centers partner with uh, IT companies that are aboriginally owned and what type of new ideas about data management and storage and communi- community-led 
infrastructures arise from those partnerships. Well, Marina, you've, this is really quite illuminating. I must say one of our texters has said, uh, um, data centres using lots of electricity, stopping housing development. This is all very scary. I'm going back to bed and pretending it's not happening. So, um, but, <laughs> but you're getting it out there, which, which uh, once, once things are articulated, they become easier, don't they, to, uh, to solve. Thank you very much indeed for your time. We'll have to catch up again. Thank you for ha- having me. Dr. Marina Otero. So look out for her. You might like to Google her. She's actually from Columbia University. She's visiting here about, about a new world problem, that's for sure. Getting in touch with ABC RN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.